And we'll start Romans chapter 4, verse 13. We'll talk about a good friend, Abe. It was not through the law, Romans 4.13, it was not through the law that Abraham and his descendants received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness of faith. That's a pretty huge verse. It wasn't through the law that Abraham and his descendants received the promise that he would be the heir of the world. The heir of the world. Think about that. Abraham is described as our father, right? That we're descendants of Christ, through Christ. We have a heavenly father, but we're also heirs of Abraham. Yeah, it looks so sure. Should we go back through Romans? Study it right through? Trust me, it says that in there. Galatians says it too. You know, it says the curse is broken, Galatians chapter 3, that the promises of Abraham might be yours. All right. See, we're on fire today. All right. Faith 101, yeah? Who's under the curse? Anybody who's not in Christ. Because Galatians tells us that Jesus became a curse for us so that you no longer have to have the curse, right? Turn the person next to you. Look them deep in their eyes and see if they're awake. <laughs> Let's go up. You, you're all, you know, I feel like everyone's sitting down here, like, you need to go up. Yeah, God really reminded me this week that it's not so much what we do, it's where we do it from. You know, I mean, look at what we do as a, as a, as a church community, as a family together. You could probably do this anywhere. You know, we, we worship like most churches worship, Yeah. Maybe not in the same way. We have our style. We have our way. But we have worship like they have worship, right? We preach the word like many churches preach the word, right? We have communion like many churches have communion, right? We give tithes and offerings. We drink coffee. We have morning tea. We pray. Isn't that what a lot of churches do? So I was thinking, what makes us different from the guys down the road? Or the guys up the road? You know, because there's one, two, three, four, five churches within probably a kilometre of where we sit right now. What makes us different to them? I mean, we're all family, right? We're all part of God's family. Them, us, they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. What makes this branch here of the family different? And I was thinking about that this week, and it's not what we do, it's how we do it. 
or more importantly, where we do it from. You see, because the world and tradition has says that when we approach Christianity, when we come into this whole worshipping together, that it's like us pushing up to God. But that's actually Old Testament. Because the Old Testament teaches you know, that you come into the, the temple and you bring your sacrifices, so you're starting from a point of sin. And you bring your sacrifice and you used to lay, they used to lay hands on the sacrifice while the priest slaughtered it and you'd lay hands on there and it would be that your sin would transfer across to the sacrifice and then they would sacrifice that, that lamb and it would take your sin in your place. And then you could go into the temple and you could go through the rituals to the point then of encountering God. But we come from a totally different place. You know, and if you were a high priest, then you would be able to go in at a specific time into the Holy of Holies. And if you had done the steps right up to that point, you could go in and then they could come up and they would be pleasing and then they could actually have a God encounter. That was the temple process in a very, very, very simplified version. (laughs) But we're different. You see, because Jesus came down. He left the riches and the glory of heaven to come down. And he died on a cross. And on there, he took all of our unrighteousness. He took all of our sin. He took all of our sickness. He took all of our poverty and all of our brokenness on the cross. And he gave us a swap. He said, if you believe in me, I'll take all that and I will give you righteousness. I will give you hope. I will give you faith. I will give you health. Wholeness, blessing, favor. I will give you these things in a straight swap. You know, you ever play swapsies at school? You know, we used to play marble, marbles. We call them dogs. You know, and you'd be out there in in the in the playground, and you had your little bag of marbles, and someone might have a really good custard marble. You know, it's a white one. It looks like yellow, all these colours through it, like custard. And you want to swap it. And so you do swapsies, you know, because they wanted an angel, which was like a a glass one, which had just one colour all the way through it. And you do swapsies. And once you did the swapsies, there was no swapsies back. Because you did swapsies, and that was it. And that's how it was with Jesus. We bring our little bag of sickness and brokenness and poverty and all this stuff and he brings his righteousness and holiness and prosperity and health and he does swapsies and he swaps the whole bag. And there's no swapsies back. Yeah? 
So when we come to Jesus, we don't come from that sin and that brokenness and that sickness and that poverty. We come from heaven. Because Ephesians says that we're seated with him in heavenly places. So when we come into worship, we don't have to come in going, I've got to get up to God, because you're actually already seated there. When you come in prayer and you're asking God and believing God, you don't come from down here trying to convince God. And that's often what worship has become in the church today is us trying to convince God to be good enough to have this sweet incense that goes into his presence that might convince him to come down like they would in the Old Testament temple. That's not what we're supposed to do. And we come and we pray during the week and we read our word and we hope that we're good enough to convince God to move on our behalf. That's not where it's at because you've done swapsies. You've swapped off all that bad stuff and your bag is all the good stuff. You know what? He's done all the salvation, all he needs to do to bring salvation to your life, right? Jesus is not going to die again. He doesn't need to be crucified afresh because you messed up. Because he did swapsies. He's already taken all your unrighteousness and given you all of his his righteousness. And you go, but I messed up. That doesn't make you unrighteous. Yes, you're still being sanctified. This is is where it gets weird because he says you are sanctified, but you're being sanctified. In other words... He's done everything he needs to do to make you right and to make you sanctified before him, but he's just working through you to clean out some of the stuff. Yeah? But when it comes to righteousness, you are always righteous. And see, the lie of the devil says, oh, you're unrighteous. In other words, you are not right before God because of what you've done. No, 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 your sin does not make you unrighteous. Because it's not your sin. It's already paid for. You've already done swapsies. And what you're doing really is like borrowing an unrighteous marble occasionally. So stop doing that. You don't need it. You've got a good bag of marbles. You've got righteous marbles. You've got to stop borrowing the unrighteous ones. You don't need them. You've got the tombola. You know, that's the big one. When you play a game of marbles, they go in there, man, they just scatter the marbles. They're the good ones. You've got righteous marbles. You've got all you need. So you can't become unrighteous because you are in Jesus and he's in you. So therefore you are automatically righteous. How? It's by faith. It's not by what you did. Abraham was righteous not because of what he did, but because he had faith. And that was pre-Jesus dying on the cross. Oh, they're just a mess with head. When was the lamb slain, Revelation says, before the foundation of the world? But let's not get into that because that just, you know, we're not going there today. But this is how we have to approach life and faith. You know, we're talking before, you know, during, during communion offering about sowing a seed 
and the power of a seed and stepping in righteousness. You see, when you sow a seed, when you give your tithes, when you give an offering, if you're looking for a breakthrough in your life, you sow a seed. But you don't sow a seed from down here trying to convince God. It's like, I'm putting this out here, God. God, I'm giving this money or I'm giving what I'm giving here or whatever it is. I'm, I'm sowing this car. I'm, I'm sowing this house. I'm, you know, we've got to think bigger, by the way. You know. I'm sowing this. And it's like, I'm doing this and we have this. I'm trying to convince God that so I'm making this sacrifice so that God will be pleased with my sacrifice and then he'll move and he'll meet what I'm believing him for. And that's the mentality we get into. This I'm trying to sweeten the Jesus deal. It's sweet already. When you sow a seed, you don't do it to convince God. You do it as an act of faith, as an act of declaration that I believe that this is my entire right in Jesus Christ to receive what I believe. And I act in faith by sowing this seed to show that I believe. Because faith has to have action. And I'm so glad I recorded that because I want to hear it again. You see, you live under the blessing. You live under the blessing. It's where you exist. Your hometown is blessing. It's your hometown. You don't have to go to blessing because it's where you are. Because Jesus has done everything, just like he's done everything he's ever going to do for you to be saved, right? He's actually done everything he's ever going to do for you to be blessed. And if I said to you, do you feel saved? You may say, I don't feel saved today. But are you saved? Because it's not by what you feel, is it? How are you saved? By faith. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You asked him to forgive you and to come into your life. You gave your bag of rotten old marbles and exchanged them for his good marbles. You got the salvation marble. Cool. And once you've got the salvation marble and he's given it, he's not going to take it back. Oh, there's some theological buttons out there. I can feel them right now in the spirit. Oh, but you can lose your salvation. How do you lose salvation? That's like taking somebody that's drowning and pulling them out of the water and up on the dry land where it's safe and then pushing them back in the water again. I'm sorry, that's not my Jesus. If he gives you salvation, he gives you salvation, right? What you do with that marble is up to you, but you've got that marble of salvation. But you know what? At the same time, on that cross, he also gave you the healing marble. He gave you the blessing marble. He gave you the prosperity marble. He gave you the healed, healthy, whole, everything going well marble. They're all in his bag of marbles and he gave them to you. You have them. Our problem is we leave them in the bag and then come to Jesus begging. 
And he's looking at you going, I've already given it. You see, like he spoke over Abraham. He said, your name's no longer Abram. I'm making you Abraham. And your wife, her name is now Sarah. Abraham means father of many nations. Did he have any children? No. But God declared it and spoke it. And the moment God declared it and spoke it, it was done. Why? Because of what Abraham did? Absolutely not. It wasn't because of him. It was because of God that that blessing was on his life. And you know what? It's the same for you. You get the blessing not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. You get it as a birthright. You see, salvation has been given to every single person. Healing has been given to every single person. Prosperity and blessing has been given to every single person. But not everybody receives it. You've got a choice. You can either take it or not. And if you've received it, then you're no longer alive. But it's Christ alive in you. And Ephesians says you're seated in heavenly places. So when you come to living out what God has done in your life, you don't live it out from down here, you live it out from up there. So if you're sitting there going, I need this breakthrough in my life, you know, you might be carrying debt and you're going, I need to break this debt off. And so you're down here because you've been taught to be down here. And you look at your phone or you look at your statements or whatever it is on the computer and you're looking at it and you're seeing what you owe and it's like this. You might look down at your phone here but it's like this. And your bank tells you it's 25 or 30 or 35 years to pay that off. And you make your payment at the end of the month and you look at it and it still looks like this. It didn't move much. I made all this, paid all this money, then all this interest came out, and it's like. Then you look at your savings account. And then the bills come in. And then your credit card comes in. And suddenly you're on the floor looking up. That's not how you look at your finances. Or maybe you're not feeling well. You know, I'm feeling sore today. Thank you to my children. You know, I've worked out that personal trainer is another word for person who likes to torture. <laughs> That's what PT stands for. Person who likes to torture. <laughs> You know, personal trainers get this odd satisfaction out of watching people suffer. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm not talking about you. So I went through a 
couple of sessions this week and I feel very sore for them. Then I thought, I'd, you know, Ben and I would have a game of soccer. You know, I think Ben's gone from like five foot to six foot in the last six months. <laughs> and I've worked out that I was saying the tale. You know, when I used to play soccer against Ben, you know, I could lean into Ben and Ben would just, you know, just a little lean and he would be away and I'd have the ball. Now I bounce. <laughs> and I, so I have to lean in a whole lot harder, you know, when we go for the ball and I have to push a little stronger when we're playing footy. And now I'm a little sore. And I got a good kick in, you know, the leg and I think there's a nice corky there and, you know, so I'm feeling sore. And I, you know, and I was thinking this morning as I sort of lay on the bed thinking, I have to get up. <laughs> and my arms are hurting and my legs are hurting and, and every part of my body is just in this, you've been using your muscles that haven't been used for a while and feeling it pain. <laughs> Knowing that when I get up that, that increases exponentially. But I was thinking, how often when we don't feel well, we, we, we come down here and we, we pray and we sort of get into the word, but we do it from down here, up there. You know, things aren't going well and we, we're, we get ourselves under those circumstances. And it looks bigger than us and we get into this mentality subconsciously because it's ingrained into us. You see, we're taught that when you go to school, you have to perform to please the teacher to get your marks. Because school's designed for soldiers and servants. Do you know that? That's where the base of it comes from. It was designed to train soldiers and servants. And then you go into the workplace where you're told if you don't perform, then you won't get paid. That your job is at risk. Or you have to bring the union in, either one, you know. And the whole of society does that. You know, you go to the bank. I remember working at the bank and watching people come in, you know, really, literally cap in hand. That they would come in and try and convince the loan officer to give them a loan. So they could buy a house or buy a car or whatever they're doing. And the whole of society, the system is set up for us to be under and not above. And we're conditioned to do that. And so when we come to God and we're not feeling great, or we come to God and we've got a lack, <coughs> we've got a need, we come to God and we try and convince him. Like we might convince a teacher or convince a boss or convince a bank or convince somebody to do something on our behalf that we might get a little bit of favour. But that's not how God sees it. I mean, he said right back in Deuteronomy that you are above and not beneath. That even back then he was saying, you are seated with me in heavenly places. You are above every situation. That you can speak to this mountain and it'll move. But our problem is we negotiate the mountain. We negotiate to coexist with the mountain. You know, we have the debt. Yeah, I can manage this. We have the sickness. 
I can manage this. Because we come from down here to up there and the circumstance looks too big. So we negotiate with it. And we coexist. And we pray to God in that sort of thinking of trying to be in a foot in both camps. But that's not how God made you to be. Now, I'm not saying you throw out practical steps, you know. I'm not taking my medication anymore. I'm not paying my debts anymore. It's all just going to be sorted. I can promise you, if you feel like this now, it's going to increase. But what I'm saying is we need to start to change how we think. Because, you know, I found God will use supernatural means and he'll use natural means to overcome your situation. You know, the good things in the world come from God. I mean, if there wasn't medication, there'd be a lot of dead Christians out there. Yeah? But what I'm saying is, don't stay where you are. You know, Abraham was down on that level and he thought he'd help God out with this air thing. So he went and, you know, did the deed with his handmaiden and we end up with a Middle East conflict. Because he created an Ishmael. Because he tried to do it his way from earthly thinking. And all he did was create enmity and strife within his family. That's what comes when we try and take control and help God out. We've got to leave him in control and let him do it his way and we need to do what he calls us to do. So what does he call us to do? Firstly, he's called us to be readers of his word and doers of his word. You want to live a life of faith, you want to live a life from a heavenly perspective, you have to know what the book says. Because it's in here that you get the instructions. And faith comes by what? Hearing what? The Word of God. So if you're not feeding on the Word of God, if you're not speaking the Word of God over your life, where's your faith come from? There isn't any. So you can't pray and ask for faith. If you do that, it's going to come back to one thing. Romans. And say what? You want faith? It comes by hearing. So you want shortcuts. There is a shortcut. It's called the Word of God. We go, oh, that's too hard. Excuse me? Some people go, it's too easy. It doesn't make sense. That's because you're thinking with the wrong head. You need your spiritual head on, not your physical head. So the first thing is you've got to be reading the Word, hearing the Word, and then doing what it says. You know, I'm, I'm listening to sermons just about every day. Sometimes I listen to the same sermon over and over and over and over. Why? Because they're saying what I need to hear. If I've, got a, if I've got a weakness in my faith, I've got two choices. I can be like most Christians and go, well, this faith thing isn't real. It doesn't really work. Which is what most of the church says. Or I can go, my faith is weak in this area. I own up to that and I'm going to strengthen it. Just like, you know, I've got a goal for the next 90 days. 
by Christmas, I want to be a certain way and I want to have a certain level of fitness. So I made the hard call, literally, and called Shara. And so what's happening? She is strengthening my muscles. I put in the work and I get the results. Do I always enjoy it? Absolutely not. When I was driving home from the gym the other day and I thought, I don't know if I'm actually going to get home. This is where I tell my mother-in-law that she was in the car in front of me and I thought at least if I hit somebody it's going to be her, so it's all right. (laughs) Because I was seriously driving going, it takes a lot of effort to get my foot across to the brake. It's a long way. Because every muscle in my body was in pain and... You know, my head was swimming a bit because that's what it took. Such a driver. Let me show you photos of Dale in the decompression, you know. <laughs> All right? But sometimes it takes effort and getting out of your comfort zone to build your faith. And the problem with most of Christianity is that we think God's just going to do it. Yes, he is just going to do it, but he's going to do it by your faith. And it doesn't matter what action you put to it. You know, Abraham didn't have the faith and so he tried to put his own action in place and cause strife. He had to build his faith to the point where he could connect into what God was doing and then release his faith and suddenly he's got an Isaac. You see, if your faith is not in the right place, don't blame God. Do something about it. Absolutely. That's what you're doing. Building spiritual muscles. You're building your faith muscles. So if I'm driving somewhere, I just chuck a sermon on all the time. You know, it costs me something like $14 a month to have unlimited YouTube use. All right? Seriously, $14, or whatever it is a month. All right? It's not even that much, I think. Sorry? Basically. And with that, I can play a YouTube video anywhere I am. And you can download them at home if you're worried about using your bandwidth. That too. You know? And I just play them everywhere I'm going and I replay them and I replay them and I replay them. And if I'm flying somewhere, I sit on a plane and I have them all loaded up and I sit there and I play them and I replay them. I've heard this one. Good, let me hear it again. Until my faith is built in that area and then I find God's peace with me. He says, okay, now I want you to sow a seed. Okay, how much and where? And so I sow a seed out of faith, not out of hope this works. I sow a seed and I base it on the word of God. Does my mind go a bit crazy? Absolutely. But faith isn't up here, it's down here. Up here, it has to follow this. And I keep building my faith and I keep putting it in and I'm listening and I'm listening. I hardly ever listen to the radio, especially now the footy's over. There's no reason to, you know. Well, cricket's coming, but you know. But I'm doing that. I'm putting it in. I'm putting it in all every chance I get. And then faith rises up because the Word of God comes in and I'm reading the Word of God. I've got it before my eyes. It says to put it in your ears and have it before your eyes. Listening to sermons is no substitute for sitting down and reading your Bible. And you know what? I often read the same passages over and over and over again. Why? Because that's where I'm building my faith. And if I want to build my arm muscles, it's not much point doing leg muscles all the time, right? I'm doing leg exercises. Gee, why are my arms getting bigger? 
You know, we laugh at that, but we do that. You know, I've got to read the whole counsel of God. So I'm reading through Leviticus. I'm going through the genealogy of numbers because that's building my faith. No, it's not. You can read that stuff, great. But if you, if you want to focus in, if you need a breakthrough in healing, then you get every healing scripture and you meditate on those and you put them into you and you listen to every sermon you can listen to and you read every book you can read on healing and you keep putting it in and you keep putting it in until you break through. How do I know that? Because I've done it several times. Sometimes I let my faith get, my faith get flabby and I have to redo those muscles. And the sickness comes on and I fight it off and it doesn't get off me. And I'm going, oh, hold on. And I know. I can feel it. There's times it comes on and it just resists. And I know I've got the faith to kick it off. And I do. But there's other times where I know I haven't put my faith up in that area. But a sickness comes in and it's like, I'm a bit weak in this. I've got to rebuild that muscle. It's got flabby. And so I start reading and I start listening to everything I can around healing. I do with finances. If there's a, if there's a lack and it's not breaking through, things aren't moving... The problem is not with God. He's actually done everything he needs to do. That's why Jesus died on the cross. I just have to build my faith muscles. So we do. You know, Dale and I do it together sometimes. I'm driving around. I'm listening to it. Listen to it. Listen to it. I'm taking Ben up to soccer on, on um, you know, Saturday morning. Gave him the phone. I said, put it in the map. After you that, find a good sermon and put it on. And we listen to it together. Build your faith muscles. Because you're not meant to be praying and believing from down here up. You're meant to be doing it from up there down. Because you are a governor. You are an authority in Christ. He says, all authority is mine. What's the next thing he said? Go you. In other words, I've got the authority. I'm giving it to you. Go and do what you're supposed to do. And we're so busy down here fighting our own little battle, we're not even able to influence what's happening next door or what's happening down the road or what's happening over this nation because we're so focused down here and overwhelmed by what's in front of us. When you come to your prayer time, you step into heaven. If you have trouble doing that, then read Ephesians. Read it through and through and through and through until you're able to... Understand that you had the faith that you are seated in heavenly places and that you pray from that point. You know, take your bills, put them on the table and stand over the top of them. In fact, even better than that, put them on the floor and stand on the table. Get perspective that you reign over your finances. And stop speaking lack, 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 lack and start speaking what God's word says about your finances. If you've got it with sickness, same thing. Get your pills and put them on the floor and stand on the table. So I bless you pills. I break off every side effect of you in Jesus' name and every good thing you work through my body. But I believe that Jesus is my healer. Yeah? Whatever your situation, get it on the floor. And you above. Don't stop doing what you need to do in the natural. Yeah, I'm quitting my job tomorrow. God's taking care of everything. Good luck with that. Do what you need to do in the natural. But are you stepping into a faith or are you doing life from down here? 
Abraham did life from down here and he just caused trouble. He created Ishmael's problems. But when he did life from up there, when he saw things from God's perspective, he went out and he saw the stars. He stepped up higher. Then God showed him the sand because he's above. And the vision rose in there and he stepped higher and he created Isaac. What does Isaac mean? Laughter. The blessing of laughter. The blessing of overcoming. Yeah? Where are you seated? Are you down here looking up? Or are you up there over it? Putting in your faith. Building your spiritual muscles. And overcoming. It's your choice. Jesus has done everything he's going to do. It's what you do with what he's done. You've got your marbles. It's time to start using them. Yeah? Father, we thank you that you gave us Jesus. We thank you that you have seated us in heavenly places with you. That we receive the promise through faith. Father, we receive healing through faith. Father, we receive blessing through faith. Father, we receive prosperity through faith. We receive everything that we need. Lord, you went beyond that and you said you're our shepherd, that we have no wants because you supply in abundance. Father, from that point, we believe we receive and we have it. We want to thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Have an awesome week. Feed the word. Inside.